TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Man, it feels so good to hear the song. I figure I'd just let it ride tonight. Chris, turn me up, man. Let's go! It's overtime here on 106.7 The Fan and always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. The youngest in charge movement, Linnell Willingham, will take you up to 10 o'clock tonight before we hand things over to the JR Sport Brief. Big time show here this evening. Three and a half hours. Me and you will have a couple of guests stop by as well. Coming up at about 8.15, our pal Craig Hoffman set to join the program. We talked all things burgundy and gold and got to the nitty gritty of what is going on right now with the Washington Commanders. Obviously, a huge win Sunday against the Atlanta Falcons. It moves their record to 3-3 three and three on the season. It's the best start through six weeks under Ron Rivera. So there's a lot of positive momentum right now for the Washington Commanders. We'll discuss it with our pal Craig Hoffman coming up uh, top of the 8 o'clock hour, top of the 9 o'clock hour, Mo Dakhill, uh, who covers the NBA for the Athletic. He is set to join us. We'll talk all things round ball, including the Washington Wizards, uh, who will play their third preseason game Wednesday night uh, in the Big Apple, I believe. They will go up against the New York Knicks. That is correct. Uh, They play the third preseason game against the New York Knicks coming up Thursday night, and I've been kind of tweeting about it, texting back and forth with some guys on the Wizards beat. I think head coach Wes Unsell Jr. has a very interesting problem on his hands into who to start at the small forward position this year's first-round pick, Bilal Koulibaly, or do you go with Denny Avdia? So we'll discuss that on the 9 o'clock hour. I want to start with Monday Night Football, though, man. Cowboys, huge win on Monday Night Football last night. I enjoy, and I know my Commanders fans out there, you could probably relate to this, I enjoy watching the Dallas Cowboys suffer. Like, there is, there are a few things in this world that give me greater joy than seeing the Dallas Cowboys stumble and bumble and fumble all over themselves. So last night was kind of tough for your boy to watch. Dallas, I called Washington's game in Atlanta this weekend a must-win performance. I think Dallas was under the same set of circumstances going into Monday Night Football. They were able to eke out a win 20-17. to Their record improves to 4-2 and on the season. I'm so impressed, though. And I'm no Dak Prescott apologist either, right? But I'm so impressed by what we saw from Dak Prescott last night. Uh, he had an 18-yard rushing touchdown. That's one of the big things that our, our friends over on at 105.3, the fan in Dallas, something they always complain about, Dak Prescott not using his legs, Dak Prescott not getting the football out on time. They were coming off of, quite literally, the worst offensive performance in Dak Prescott's career last Sunday night against the San Francisco 49ers. So for them to bounce back the way that they did yesterday on the road, I mentioned Dak Prescott just phenomenal. 21 of 30, 272 yards and a touchdown. The off-schedule plays that Dak was able to make, I think, to me, should have silenced some of his critics because I know that's a big issue that Cowboys fans and national media members have with him. What does he do outside of the structure of the offense? Does he elevate his teammates? I thought last night 
he damn sure elevated the rest of that group. CeeDee Lamb, a big performance. Seven catches, a buck 16. Tony Pollard getting involved as well. Dallas moves to four and two. The schedule coming up here the next couple of weeks, in the softest thing in the world, but I think Cowboys fans out there can agree with me. The team right now in a good spot, and I think to get that taste out of their mouth from last week was all too important. Here's Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy postgame talking about the win. I was big. Um, obviously, just coming off of the performance last week, uh, just wanting to respond. Uh, this game couldn't, I bet if you asked anybody in the locker room, this game couldn't come fast enough. I just want to get that taste out of your mouth and move forward. Um, that's what our message is really worth this week, but just about moving forward. Um, learning from what, from what happened in the past, but uh, putting, putting forward our best effort. And it was a great team. We went out there and we played. We knew it going into this. Uh, very explosive, um, fundamental in all, on all aspects. And uh, huge win, huge win, especially going into the bye week, forward to um, everything in front of us. I think this is, you know, part of the definition of a complimentary football team. You know, the offense picks up for the defense, defense picks up for the, you know, for the offense and special teams all the way around. So, I mean, there's plays that need to be made, especially down the stretch. Um, and, and, and it was, um, you know, I mean, it, it, was, it was a bumpy game out there. I mean, there's uh, about 20, 21 penalties called, a lot of back and forth, you know, a lot of resetting your jaw and just keep fighting. And, um, and I thought our, our, I thought our men did a really good job there. It's Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott reflecting on Dallas's win in the postgame. Not going to lie, I, I love in this business when you get something that refreshes your memory and jogs your memory, so to speak. As I was watching the Dallas Cowboys game last night, the one thing that I could not stop saying to myself and my friends as we're watching it, this is, they quite literally look like the most undisciplined football team in the NFL last night. I'm trying to look up the penalty numbers. Dallas last night, check this out. 11 penalties for 85 yards. They are so lucky that they won this football game. If you watched, you know what I'm talking about. During the second half, they had to waste two timeouts, one to, to avoid a delay of game penalty, coaching, Second timeout, they had to waste because they got 12 men on the field. They had 12 men on the field called three times last night. If that isn't a direct reflection of your coaching just being, then I don't know what is. It was amazing to watch. And for a team to be so talented, because we all know it, we, we agree, Dallas 1 through 53 has one of the best rosters in football. But you see why they're such a Jekyll and Hyde football team. You see why they have so many wide-ranging inconsistencies. It, it starts with the coaching staff. They are a direct reflection of Mike McCarthy. They can't get right. And for the Chargers, on the other hand, and y'all know it, I, I say it all the time, I, I compare Justin Herbert to baby Jesus because he does things at the quarterback position that to me is equivalent to walking on water. Like some of the plays he makes last night, standing straight up at six foot six in the pocket when, when Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence draped all over him, he physically can just do things that other guys can't. Perfect example, Sam Howell. Some of the throws that Jay Herbo made last night, Sam Howell just physically cannot hang in there and make those type of throws because he's not as tall. Justin Herbert, 6'6", and he can run. If you watched the game last night, his ability to create plays off schedule, something that was on full display for the Chargers, though. I mean, to, to have Austin Eckler in your backfield, 14 carries for 27 yards for Austin Eckler last night. I mean, just... An absolute embarrassment. Chargers fans, though, I was on Twitter afterwards trying to get the tea and see what's going on. People are ticked off at Justin Herbert. I mean, and I and, and watching it, I, look, I'm a, I'm a Jay Herbo apologist. Like I said, I call him baby Jesus. So I'm a little bit biased when I talk about him. 
But I had two good folks with me watching the game last night, and they're like, bro, what are you watching? And then on that final drive, when L.A. is going down to try to score, you know it. It's Micah Parsons' time. It's time for that Dallas defense to pin their ears back and go chase the quarterback. I was saying it to myself before the drive even started. This ends in a strip sack, one way or another. Micah ends up getting home on one of the sacks. Herbert, though, throughout the game, and I know he's dealing with a finger injury, the inaccuracy issues that he has may come back to bite the Chargers. Because when you got a receiver like Keenan Allen and you're throwing it behind him, you're taking away the run after the catch ability. Austin Eckler a couple of times, he misses him. I don't even want to say he misses him. Throwing the ball too low. Throwing the ball behind him. Quarterback, a lot of the times, when you got weapons like the Chargers do, it's a lot like playing point guard. You get your shooters the ball in, in space and, and let them do their thing. Chargers fall to 2-3. and three. That division right now seems to be being dominated by Patty Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll tell you where they fall in Nell's Super Six Pack a little bit later on in the show because I do want to get to that. Crazy weekend in week five of the uh, week six of the National Football League. Excuse me. You see the Eagles go down; they're no longer undefeated. The Niners go down; they're no longer undefeated. It just feels like, and I say it, I feel like every week before we get on overtime, we're six weeks into this thing. And I continue to say this: I have no clue what the hell's going on. I, I I just don't. I just don't. Crazy weekend in sports. We got to see Coach Prime in the Colorado Buffaloes. And if you're already hip to what I'm about to say, yeah. It was that crazy that I got to talk about it. Saturday night, I'm watching this thing. Or Friday night, excuse me. I'm watching this thing. And it's like, okay, it's Stanford. They come in, they're, they're one and four. Not, not a really good football team. Shador Sanders and company get up 29 to nothing at the half over Stanford. Shador's doing the wrist celebration. Everyone's feeling good. He, and this is terrible, by the way, and I'm condemning him for it. Shador goes on Instagram and makes a post at halftime. Shout out big bro. Stephen A. Smith ripped him apart for it yesterday morning. And he should have. That is ridiculous. And to be Deion Sanders' son, I know he's condemning him in the locker room for it. Shador, though, good performance. I guess 33 or 47, 400 yards, five touchdowns. He had a tough interception. It was the return of Travis Hunter to the lineup. He got bagged. He got bagged bad. The story I still struggle to pronounce the receiver's name. Elick Ayo Manor had no manners on Friday night. 13 catches, 294, three touchdowns, just completely disrespectful at the wide receiver position. He was on one, and Travis Hunter was on the receiving end of one of the most filthiest receptions that we've seen uh, in this young college football season. Like I mentioned, though, Colorado wet the bed, up 29-0 at half, and then they lose in double overtime, 46-43. to and, of course, Coach Prime, not happy. You're not going to be taken care of. You're not going to be looked after. You're not going to have the luxuries of all this. And you're going to have to go out there and get it on your own and work your butt off. Because ain't nobody going to give you nothing. I don't understand. I don't think you understand what this world is consists of. What we just did today was pathetic. All the love that you received, all the love we received, oh, you getting ready to see that flip. And don't get beside yourself on social media and start responding to the foolishness because they're right. They're right. And we practicing tomorrow. God bless. <laughs> and we practicing tomorrow. Mm. Stern words from Coach Prime. Colorado, 4-3 and three on the season. 
taking a look at their remaining schedule, they are ooh, tough for next the next two weeks, next three weeks, really. Tall task for them to finish the season at number 25 UCLA. Home for Oregon State, who's been a juggernaut. Arizona's playing as good a football as anybody in the Pac-12 right now. They had USC on the ropes a couple of weeks ago. Then they play at Washington State, who just got trounced by Arizona. And then they're at Utah to finish out the season. So a tough, tough road ahead for Coach Prime and the Colorado Buffaloes. We'll see if they're able to finish the season strong. You all know how I get down those. The People Show, tap in with me all show long. One of two ways. MGM National Harbor Lister Lines wide open. 1-800-636-1067 is the number. You can tweet at me as well. It is at N-E-L-L underscore BTP. We've got plenty to go uh, before we get out of here at 10 o'clock. We'll look at the Washington Commanders. We'll talk to Craig Hoffman coming up top of the 8 o'clock hour. Up next, though, I want to talk a little bit of round ball. I mentioned it last week. ESPN every year releases their top 100 players list for the season. There is one former MVP who has been omitted from this list, and former NBA star Kenyon Martin teed off about it. We'll let you hear that next here on The Fan. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Oh, yeah. Welcome back. It is overtime here on 106.7 The Fan and always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. It's the youngest in charge movement. Linnell Willingham will take you up to 10 o'clock tonight before we hand things over to the JR Sport Brief. Look ahead in the show here real quick. Coming up, top of the 7 o'clock hour. Go Linnell's lead line. We'll recap Washington's, what I called it, season-saving victory Sunday against the Atlanta Falcons. I will break that down. We'll give you a commander's stock report as well coming out of week six. We'll go three up, three down coming out of the Atlanta Falcons game. You're not going to want to miss my conversation with Craig Hoffman because I think we get into some discussion about the quarterback position that's really nuanced. And Craig, say what you want about him, really one of the best, man, in terms of X's and O's and, and actually looking at the tape. Had a really interesting conversation on Sam Howell and the amount of sacks that he's taken to this point in this year. And I got to listen to the tail end of the child star and the comedian, a.k.a. Grant Danny, my favorites here on the fan. Eric Eager, Super Sports Podcast. You all know if you listen to Overtime, I have him on pretty regularly. I've had him on a couple of times already this season. Uh, One of the best in terms of breaking down the game from the analytics standpoint of it and talking X's and O's. I believe the headline that's running rampant right now, he joined G&D and said that he thinks – through six weeks, Sam Howell's probably a backup in the National Football League. And I know that got a lot of Washington fans hot under the collar. I will discuss those comments as the show rolls on because I do want to get into Sam Howell and the sacks and the sack issue that he has uh, with this Washington Commanders offense. I think it's something that they're able to manage and deal with right now. But as the season progresses, it may get a lot more difficult uh, for this group to stomach that situation and for this group to be able to, you know, overcome 
the sacks that Sam Howell has taken, man. Uh, it's been tough. Uh, it's been tough. So we'll talk to Craig Hoffman at 8.15. We'll discuss Sam Howell and his sack concern before that. So all that coming up, 8.15. It, I hope I'm not speaking in hyperbole when I say it. I do truly believe that it was a season-saving victory on Sunday against the Atlanta Falcons. I will break down every aspect of that. But first, as always here on Overtime, go a little light for a second, but this isn't even light news. This is just one NBA legend pretty upset about another NBA legend's ranking on the NBA's top 100 players list. Kenyon Martin, never shy, never one to mince words. He had this to say about Russell Westbrook being ranked 94th out of 100 qualifying NBA players on the NBA player rankings list. Take a listen. Show me 93 other people better than Russell Westbrook in the NBA. I'll wait. You got two people on the list that ain't played one NBA minute. How the are they better than Russ? <laughs> who is that? Who the, who the two? Wimby and Scoop. Oh, better than Russ? They got Russ 94, dog. Oh, they had what's name at 47. Wimby at 47. Are you me? That's crazy. That's crazy. Let's, come so on, his, man. Let's stop so this but, madness, so man. His pre so his summer league in his preseason was better than Russ. Like, like, I, I, his last his career. His career. Like, get the <laughs> out of here, man. Like, you idiots over there doing this bullshit. <laughs> Man, like, no, let's just show your face, man. Like, y'all want to put this bull out here? Show your face. Look, Kenyon Martin, upset, and he's got every reason to be. When I looked at this list, and you look at the guards, just the guards alone that are listed ahead of Russell Westbrook. Mike Conley, I'm sorry, but if you stack those two resumes next to each other, Russell Westbrook, head and shoulders better. Emmanuel Quickly, not even a starter for the New York Knicks. Josh Hart, love him, DMV's own. He's not better than Russell Westbrook, even at this point in his career. Buddy Heald? I mean, some of the guys, I don't know what it is about the stigma around Russell Westbrook. I, I don't know what it is, but, like, put some respect on his name. Look how long he's been doing it, man. The longevity is something that I got to respect. 14 years. He's going into year 15 in the NBA this year, man. This dude gets it. He understands how to take care of his body. Last year, he's coming off a career low in points. He still averaged 16 points. Josh Hart has never averaged 16 points in his career. That's all I'm trying to say, man. Kenyon, Kmart, I feel you, big dog. I feel you. We'll take a quick timeout. We come back. It's time for Linnell's lead line. Washington with a season-saving victory on Sunday against the Atlanta Falcons. We'll break it all down next here on The Fan. Just getting rolling here on this Tuesday night edition of Overtime. It's the Youngest in Charge movement, Linnell Willingham. Take you up to 10 o'clock tonight before we dish the rock to the JR Sport Brief. Coming up top of the 8 o'clock hour at about 8.15 or so, our pal Craig Hoffman, host of the Take Command pregame show, which you can hear each and every Sunday here on The Fan with former Washington tight end Logan Paulson. Uh, he's set to join us top of the 8 o'clock hour, and we'll discuss all things burgundy and gold, and including the discussion that happened at the tail end of Grant and Danny. Eric Eager of the Sumer Sports Podcast coming on and dropping the bomb that he doesn't think Sam Howell is a starting quarterback in the National Football League. We'll discuss that uh, before the show rolls on. Right now, though, I want to hit the rewind button and go back to Sunday. Washington, a season-saving victory on the road against the Atlanta Falcons. We'll break it down next in Linnell's lead line. For our top story in other news, news more news, the biggest breaking news story this town has ever seen. Linnell's lead line. Look, if you tapped in Sunday night during the postgame show with me and the DOC, Rick Doc Walker, I was very adamant from the get-go 
this was probably the most well-rounded Washington victory that I've personally got to sit down and watch in a long, long time. Dating all the way back to probably 2015, 2016. It's been that long. And I'm going to start with the special teams unit. Because normally when we talk about Washington and we talk about their special teams, it's always in a negative light. It's about what they can't do and what they can't cover. Now, obviously, the bright spot of Washington's special teams is the longest tenured member of the football team, Mr. Tressway. But outside of that, not a lot of positives normally when we discuss Washington's special teams unit. Jamison Crowder, in the punt return that he had on Sunday, I mean, it literally was the game-changing play to me in terms of momentum. And the thing that I love about it, Washington, in that situation, to be able to go out and capitalize with a touchdown, that's the difference between being a 7-win team, an 8-win team, or maybe a 10-11-win team, capitalizing on those moments. And I thought they did a really good job of that on Sunday. Complimentary football at its best. You don't win that game without the performance of your special teams without the performance of your defense, and without the performance of your offense. Totally well-rounded win. Loved everything about it. The thing that really was beautiful to me in Titanic Ron and company could pat themselves on the back. Player personnel guys, Martin Mayhew, Marty Herney, they could pat themselves on the back for that. The contributions you got from the quote-unquote other guys Sunday, I think it was massive. Can't be underscored. Cornelius Lucas. Coming in on short notice, filling in for Charles Leno, and not giving up a single pressure. Not giving up a single pressure in 23 pass dropbacks for Sam Howe. Corn Lucas doesn't give up a single pressure. It's what we expect from him at this point, because every time he comes in and plays in reserve, he balls the hell out. But that was exciting to see. Christian Rodriguez, how about that? Who had that on the bingo card? That during a crucial stretch of the football game, and I'm pulling up the drive chart to be exact for you all, during a crucial point of the football game where they're trying to milk clock, Christian Rodriguez comes in and rips off a couple of nice runs. So I was excited to see that for all the talk about Washington's draft class not having an impact. That was the first we saw of Chris Rodriguez, man. He had a nice 13-yard run in that third quarter. I was excited to see it. He was another one of the other guys that came up and stepped up. Danny Johnson I thought was tremendous as well in the limited snaps that he played. Um, Ron Rivera talked about it. I believe it was yesterday during his media availability. Danny Johnson had the opportunity to catch an interception, but he was heady enough. He had enough football IQ, so to speak, that he drops it. Love that from him. Now, upset that we didn't see Emmanuel Forbes at all on Sunday. Uh, that's a whole nother discussion that we'll, we'll get into a little bit later on in the show. But look, I, I get it. I get it. I'm not... In hindsight, after a victory, I'm a little bit less upset about Forbes getting benched. I'm a little bit less upset about this draft class not providing big contributions. But I thought Danny Johnson was good. The hitman, Kalik Hudson, coming in in that fourth quarter, coming up with a huge stop. I mean, it's the stuff that you live for if you're a diehard football fan and if you're a talent evaluator. Because when you build this roster 1 through 53, when you put together your 90-man roster, Right? Yeah, you really only care about the starting 33 guys that play. 11 offense, 11 defense, 11 special teams. But you know, throughout the course of 17 weeks, this is a game of attrition. You are going to have to rely on your other cats 
And I thought Sunday, beautiful job, beautiful example of the roster building that they've done. And dare I use one of Titanic Ron's buzzwords, the, the roster building on Sunday proved to be pretty good. Percy Butler, I thought, played really well in his first start in the absence of Derek Forrest and Jeremy Reeves. Thought he was damn good. Tariq Castro-Fields and Quan Martin as the gunners on special teams. Chef's kiss. Phenomenal. Phenomenal what we saw from those guys. And that's, look, Quan, member of the draft class, your second-round pick. Of course, you would rather him be making those contributions on defense. But at the end of the day, at least he's contributing. Tariq Castro-Fields, somebody they signed off the waiver wire at last year's cut-down day. Still hanging around. Still making plays on special teams. Love to see that from this group. Love to see that from this group. The defense, I thought, bounced back in a really nice way. Forcing three turnovers. Still work to be done, though, on that side of the football. But I thought the game plan was magnificent. Magnificent from Jack Del Rio coming into this game. Make Desmond Ritter beat you. Point blank, period. Make Desmond Ritter beat you. And I thought they did that for the most part. Thought they did that. Thought Kendall Fuller was phenomenal in that one, in that football game. I, I thought defensively up front with your front four and your front five, really, their ability to control Atlanta's rushing attack. Y- you held them. They, they get 100 yards rushing, 29 carries for a buck 06, 3.7 yards a pop. I, you got to feel good about it. And I mentioned the other guys, how dare I not mention the big fella, John Ridgeway, what he was able to do playing a true nose tackle on Sunday. Our pal Baldy, Brian Baldinger, did a film breakdown on Washington's five-man front earlier. And kudos to John Ridgeway, man. It's a dirty, dirty job that you got to do, being a nose tackle in a five-man front. You're doing all the dirty work, so to speak, getting double teamed, being a space eater. Man, he, he played that role to perfection on Sunday, and I was damn impressed with it. I thought Sam Howell played efficiently once again. The sacks, obviously still an issue with Sam. He's got to do a better job of finding incompletions. I think he's putting the offense in third and long way, way too much. But at the end of the day, look, I, more good than bad we're seeing on a week-in and week-out basis from Sam Howell. And the way I'll describe it and the way I feel about his play is this. As each and every week passes, I get more and more confident about what Sam Howell has the ability to become, the trajectory that he's on. I mentioned it last week on Overtime. Chris Chris Trapasso, I always struggle with his name. Chris Trapasso of CBSSports.com put together a list of the top young quarterbacks, first or second year quarterbacks in the National Football League and who he'd rather have moving forward. At the top of that list, was none other than slinging Sammy Howe. So clearly there is there is tools in the toolbox, so to speak, that get you excited about what Sam Howe could be. But the sacks, obviously a problem. We'll discuss that uh, as the show rolls on. But I thought Sunday, first three touchdown performance of his career, the ability to get Terry McLaurin involved. He had a couple of balls that were dropped. The deep ball to De'Ami Brown I thought was an absolute dime. So it... It's not perfect from Sam Howe, but it's definitely enough to make you go, hmm, I want to see more of this kid. So after six weeks, I think I can firmly and confidently say I am more confident than not. Well, I don't want to go there yet. Wow. 
is a radio critiquer, so to speak, was listening. That's a hell of a tease I just gave. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll do a little commander stock report coming out of the week six game against Atlanta. I'll tell you who was three up and who was three down. That's next here on The Fan. Welcome back. It is overtime here on 1067 The Fan and always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. It's the youngest in charge movement, Linnell Willingham, taking up the 10 o'clock before we get out of here tonight. Coming up in about 45 minutes or so, our pal Craig Hoffman, host of the Hoffman Show, weekdays, 4 to 7 p.m. over on our sister station, the Team 980. He is set to join us. We had a real good conversation. Yeah, and I'll tell you, it's a pre-recorded conversation. So you'll hear there's a special surprise in there at the end uh, of that interview for you all out there. And Chris, the, my producer in the studio tonight, laughing because you got to hear what the surprise was. I'll That's the ultimate radio tease. I'll let you guys listen for yourself. Just know uh, our two-person conversation all of a sudden turned into three. And it was, uh, it was very entertaining, to say the least. That's coming up. Uh, top of the 8 o'clock hour. Right now, though, I want to continue to look back at Washington's season-saving performance in victory on Sunday in Hotlanta against the Falcons. Wanted to go three up, three down. Little commander stock report coming out of week six. The offensive line is where I'll start in terms of three up, quote-unquote, with the positives of what I saw from Sunday. Each and every week, I continue to be impressed by how well Washington is protected in pass pro. I thought... Coming into this year, coming out of training camp, I think all of us locally thought, you know, this group's got a chance. Defense is pretty good. You added two high draft picks to that side of the football. You got the return to Chase Young. You got weapons on offense. A little bit of a question mark at quarterback. The running game should be good. But this offensive line, I don't know. I don't know. I think there was a consensus that that group would be the Achilles heel of this football team. And I joined Craig Hoffman on his show earlier today, as I do every Tuesday, for Overreaction Tuesday. And I said this, that commander's offensive line at this point has been the biggest bright spot of the entire football team. I'm so sick and tired of this lazy narrative that's rolling around here locally that the offensive line isn't good enough for this offensive for this offense to function, so to speak. That the offensive line... Is holding this football team back. I can't get down with that. And if you actually watch the tape and do some research, it's pretty evident. The offensive line, more times than not, doing a pretty damn good job. I will die on that hill. I, I stand firm in my beliefs with that. This offensive line, kudos to them. And then think about the circumstances that they were dealing with on Sunday. You find out last minute that your anchor at left tackle isn't going to be there for you. And by the way, say what you want about Charles Leno. He has played his ass off this year. Every metric from run blocking, pass blocking, he's been amongst the better half tackles in the National Football League. Obviously, him and his family dealing with a tough situation right now. I want to send my, my condolences and, and my, my best wishes to them. But he's playing his tail off right now. He had to miss Sunday because of that tragic situation. And it was a seamless transition. A seamless transition. Corn Lucas comes in off the bench, one of the best swing tackles in football, gives up zero pressures on Sunday. 23 dropbacks for Sam Howell, zero pressures given up from Cornelius Lucas. So that's why I think this commander's offensive line, one of the bright spots right now coming out of week six for me definitely is that group. Three up, three down. A little commander stock report coming out of their week six win against the Atlanta Falcons. We'll go three down. The running game. The running game is something I want to focus on here. 
because everyone locally from the fans, some of our personalities here feel like Washington has to run the football. Doc Walker feels like Washington has to run the football. It's an identity. It's a lifestyle choice. You're right when you say all of those things. And clearly, through the first six weeks, there is not a commitment to running the football, which is why the rushing numbers have been lousy, lousy over the past three weeks. Brian Robinson, 10 carries, 31 yards on Sunday. See, there's a, there's a group of you out there that feels like Washington cannot win with those type of running numbers. As a team, 22 carries, 72 yards, 3.3 yards a pop. In terms of balance, though, damn near 50-50 dead even split. 23 pass attempts, 22 rushing attempts. But the running game, I think, has got to be better. And here's why. Sam Howell, entering Sunday, had the fewest amount of play action pass attempts in the National Football League. When I talk about a young signal caller and things you need to do to help him out and to expedite his growth and development process, the play action passing game is a huge part of that. Why can't Washington run the play action pass game? Because they're not running the football. There is no threat of play action with this offense. And I think that would allow them to get to another level. But I understand that Washington doesn't need to run the football just to run the football. The reason they need to run the football brings me to my next point, three up, three down here. We're giving you three positives coming out of Sunday's win against Atlanta and three negatives. I'll give you another down here real quick. The third down numbers, horrible. They're th- what, what are they? What are they? 26th in the NFL in third down offense. Not good. Not good. And part of that has to do directly with their inability to run the football. It's been a problem for them. In terms of rushing yards per game, Washington is 25th in the National Football League. Can I read you the teams that are behind them for the group of you that thinks that running the football doesn't matter? I think it does. Look at the teams behind Washington and running the football. New England, going nowhere fast. Green Bay, no longer feeling the love. Pittsburgh, can no longer pick it. Tampa Bay, Baker's man. They're 3-1 and one, or 3-2, and two, so they're playing good football. So I'm not going to crap on the Bucs. But you get what I'm saying. Minnesota, going nowhere. Vegas, going nowhere. The Bengals are dead last, which is why I'm still trying to figure out and determine if they're serious or not. You got to run the football, man. And I'm not saying run it just to run it. I think that's the best way for this offense to stay on schedule. Now, if they can stay on schedule with the quick passing game and and running the stick routes and the hitches and letting guys make plays after the catch, if they can have success in that area, then you don't need to run the football. Because as long as you get yourself into third and manageable situations, you'll be fine. In terms of third down conversion percentage, I just said it, Washington, 26 in the National Football League in that category. I don't know how much longer offensively they could sustain that. Let's go to another positive. I gave you the offensive line earlier. I want to talk about Kendall Fuller. Just an absolute dog on Sunday against Atlanta. And I'll say this, outside of the week five performance on Thursday night against Chicago, Kendall has been him. Let's... Let's let's call it what it is. Kendall Fuller has been that dude. 
all year to this point. All year to this point, Kendall Fuller's been that dude. I'm impressed with what he did on Sunday, playing with good vision, making tackles. It's impressive stuff. It was hard to choose one specific member of Washington secondary. I thought all of them played well on Sunday, but I'll give the tip of the cap to the old veteran of the room, Kendall Fuller. I thought he was damn good on Sunday. Three up, three down here, giving you a commander stock report coming out of week six. Three things I really like, three things that kind of worried me a little bit. Our last negative, last thing that worried me a little bit, the big plays given up in the past game for Washington. Now, coming into this one, we knew the big plays in the passing game is quite literally Washington's biggest Achilles heel right now. They have given up the most pass plays of 25 or more yards in the National Football League. And it's stunning because last year, That group was so good in that area of the game. That group was so good at not giving up the explosive play. Now, when you break down the film and go through some of the numbers, a lot of that can be attributed to their playing way more man coverage this year than they were last year. I think a lot of that can be attributed to the emphasis that they're putting on forcing turnovers. I think the guys in the secondary are playing a little bit more aggressive, and that's leading to some of these big plays being given up. At the end of the day, When you look at the offenses that Washington is going to have to play here coming up in the next few weeks, that problem must must go away or else I'm not sure you can be considered a legit football team. If you're giving up explosive plays out the wazoo to the Giants, I don't know how good you are. If you're giving up explosive plays out the wazoo to the Patriots, I don't know how good you are. You face the Giants twice in the next month. You face the Patriots in there as well. This defense has to, has to, has to, Start trending in the right direction if this group is going to be serious about being a playoff contender in the NFC. Three up, three down. My one final positive for three up here with the Washington Commanders. Jamin Davis, first career interception on Sunday. He was phenomenal in the win. They used him a lot, a little bit more in that Cinco package as well, using him as a traditional edge rusher. His closing speed, I thought, on full display all game long. Speaking of closing speed, the other defender that was about to make this list, Casey Tuhill. His closing speed as well, just outstanding. And it was on full display Sunday. All in all, coming out of Sunday's game against Atlanta, it goes back to prove what this team is. I don't know what this team is. They have weeks where they put it all together. They have weeks where they wet the bed like Chicago and Buffalo. Moving forward, though, it's going to be a dogfight down the stretch. I've said it since the Bears game. They are right now, quite literally, in the most crucial stretch of their schedule, point blank period. By the time that second Giants game rolls around on Sunday, November the 19th, we will know exactly who the Washington Commanders actually are. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk about Sam Howell in the offense. Is this sack issue holding this Commanders offense back? Tell you what I think next on the fan. Welcome back. It's overtime here on 106.7 The Fan and always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. The youngest in charge movement, Linnell Willingham, taking up to 10 o'clock tonight before we hand things over to the JR Sport Brief. Coming up in about a half hour, our pal Craig Hoffman, the co-host of the Take Command pregame show, which you can catch each and every Burgundy and Gold game day right here on The Fan. Him and former Washington tight end Logan Paulson. They're also the host of the Take Command podcast, which you can get on YouTube and wherever you download your podcast at. Uh, So make sure you stick around for my conversation with Craig Hoffman. Right now, though, I want to get into a discussion about the quarterback position and really kind of how I'm I'm feeling right now in terms of 
what we've seen uh, from Washington's quarterback, Sam Howell. Now, the numbers for Sam Howell through six weeks, pretty darn good. Ninth in the NFL in passing touchdowns, which is pretty darn good, important stat to have. Uh, another thing that has really stood out and jumped off the page with Sam is his efficiency with the football, not turning it over uh, on a routine basis outside of the Buffalo Bills game, obviously. And then a lot of a lot of different folks in the National Football League use EPA, quarterback EPA, to as their like gospel metric. Some people use quarterback EPA. Uh, some people use QBR, which is the standard passer rating. Sam Howell, 16th in the NFL in passer rating. That is a higher passer rating than Jalen Hurts, Deshaun Watson, Matthew Stafford, Joe Burrow, Kenny Pickett, Zach Wilson, Daniel Jones. I mean, guys that beforehand, before the season started, you'd be saying, well, there's no way Sam Howell's better than those quarterbacks. Well, as a matter of fact, he may be. And I think here locally, it's very hard for me in particular to separate the good stuff with Sam from the bad stuff with Sam. Because when you're a Washington football fan, Washington commander fan, whatever you want to call us, you know that quarterback instability at the quarterback position has eluded this franchise for the entirety of my existence. Ever since I've been born, this team, for whatever reason, has failed to find a long-term solution at the game's most important position. And through six weeks, I'm willing to go out and say, you know what? I think we're a lot closer to Sam being the guy than Sam not being the guy. But I do have one overarching theme and one overarching observation about this Washington Commander's offense. I think Sam Howell is holding, although the play hadn't been bad, I think him him taking the sacks at the alarming rate that he is, that sack issue to me is ultimately holding this offense back. It just is. Washington offensively. Ranked 26th in third down conversion rate. You want to know why Washington's so bad on third down? Because they're constantly having negative plays on first in second down. And let's just go back to Sunday. Sam Howell against Atlanta. Sacked five times. I go back and watch all five of these sacks. Sam Howell directly responsible for three of them. He just walks into the sack. And then the other two, probably avoidable. This is an issue for Sam Howell. This is now becoming an issue for this offense. Their third down numbers are amongst the worst in the National Football League. And I will continue to repeat it till I'm blue in the face. A lot of it has to do with them taking negative plays on first and second down. And for the group out there that believes the reason Sam Howell is the NFL leader in sacks taken, the reason he's on pace to be the most sacked quarterback ever, if you think, if you genuinely can sit up there with a straight face and say that you think these sacks are on the offensive line, more power to you. More power to you. What the hell are you watching? 
in all honesty, I really, it, it really is difficult for me to get on the same page of someone who thinks that the offensive line should be held more responsible than Sam Howell. It's ludicrous. It's ludicrous to me. Every pass-blocking metric, every analytic that you see, Washington's offensive line grades very favorably. Let's go to Pro Football Focus, for example. I understand they're not gospel. I understand Pro Football Focus isn't the end-all, be-all. But if you combine these analytics with the eye test, well, let's be honest, some people in this market just don't got it in terms of the eye test. I do. I know what I'm seeing. Dude. Washington coming into Sunday was ninth in the NFL in terms of their pass block ranking grade. Ninth in the NFL. Top 10, ladies and gentlemen. Top 10. They were 12th in overall pass blocking efficiency. In that metric, takes into account the amount of sacks that Sam has taken, and they're still a top 12 group. You get where I'm getting at here? This commander's offensive line, I said it at the top of the show, has been the biggest positive development of the entire season, ladies and gentlemen. The entire season. This offensive line has been the biggest surprise of the entire season. Think about the discussion we were having in August about Washington and their offensive line. Think about the discussion we were having in August about Washington and the offensive line. We thought, oh, yeah, they play good defense. Yeah, the quarterback's a question mark. They got good weapons, good backs. This offensive line, I don't know, man. And the thing that speaks to the success of the offensive line even more, look at how many times they're dropping back, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Howell is amongst the league leaders in pass attempts per game, yet this offensive line still outkicking their coverage, so to speak. That's just what it is. That's just what it is. I'm at a point right now where I'm going to say it, and it's not that I don't believe in Sam Howell. It's not that I don't think Sam Howell can develop into a really good quarterback. I say that all the time. But two things can be true. Yes, I think Sam Howell is going to develop, hopefully, into a top 13 to 15 quarterback in the National Football League. I think from a physical tool standpoint, he is more than capable of that. But at this point in time, at this particular juncture, Sam Howell, in his sack issue, is holding back this Washington Commanders offense. I want to hear from you all on this. MGM National Harbor Listing Lines, wide open. 1-800-636-1067 is the number. I've laid out the numbers for you here. What's your level of concern with the amount of sacks Sam Howell has taken? And do you think that it is holding this Washington offense back? 1-800-636-1067 is the number. When we come back, we'll take your calls. Plus, we'll let you hear from Eric Eager of the Sumer Sports Podcast. He joined Grant and Danny earlier today. You're not going to want to miss what he had to say about Washington's quarterback, Sam Howell. That's next here on The Fan. Just getting rolling. Here on this Tuesday night edition of Overtime, it's the youngest in charge movement, Linnell Willingham, taking you up to 10 o'clock before we hand things over to the JR Sport Brief. As promised, coming up in about 20 minutes or so, our pal Craig Hoffman 
the co-host of the Take Command pregame show each and every Burgundy and Gold game day here on The Fan. Uh, he is set to join us. Passionate conversation with Craig Hoffman, touching on a bevy of different items uh, involving the Washington Commanders. Right now, though, I want to go out to the phones. MGM National Harbor listening lines wide open. 1-800-636-1067 is the number. The question, kind of loaded. I apologize, but but here, here we go. I'll be very open and honest and transparent about this. Through six weeks, I think Sam Howell has exceeded my expectations. Through six weeks, I think we're way closer to him being the guy than him not being the guy, right? Each and every week, I gain more and more confidence that Sam Howell is going to be the long-term answer at quarterback. But with those bright moments, he's had some growing pains. And it feels like the last six weeks, for all the talk about him not making the same mistake over and over again, that's what the narrative was this offseason, if you all remember, is that he doesn't make the same mistake twice. For all that conversation, the sack issue has been a reoccurring theme for the first six weeks of the season. And what's so amazing about all of this is that despite those sack numbers that Sam Howell has, and he's on pace to be the most sack quarterback of all time, in, in spite of those numbers, Washington has made a sizable jump in terms of pretty much every offensive statistical category. Last year, under Scott Turner, Washington was 24th in the National Football League in terms of points per game. This year, with Sam Howell on pace to be the most sacked quarterback ever, Washington is 15th in the NFL in points per game. They have jumped nine spots. If I would have told you this offseason that Washington was going to jump nine spots, nine spots in the points per game ranking through the first six weeks. You'd say they were four and two, five and one. You'd be drooling all over yourselves. That's good, though. I'm not saying this to be negative. Washington has very much made a sizable jump offensively. I truly believe that. In every category, they are much better. Another category to me that really tells the story about Washington and their improvement. Red zone scoring attempts per game. Washington is 11th in the National Football League in red zone scoring attempts per game. And do I got to really break that down for y'all? That's how many times Washington's in the red zone with the opportunity to score. They're 11th in the NFL in that category. Last year, they were 24th. They've jumped 13 spots in that category. This is despite Sam Howe being sacked at a historic pace, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm going to bring it to you and tell it to you how a TI is. That's how I do this. Yes, I think Sam Howell's playing good football right now. Yes, I'm blown away by some of the physical tools and traits that he has. The escapability. The ability and the willingness to stand in there and take it on the chin so you can deliver a pass accurately on t- and on time. That's how I judge quarterbacks in the National Football League because you'll be surprised. Of the 32 starters in the NFL, only 12 to 15 of them really are willing to hang in there down in and down out and take it on the kisser in order to complete a pass. We see Sam Howe down in, down out, game in, game out, show the willingness to hang in the pocket. But the sack thing is real, guys. The sack thing is real. And I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. He was sacked five times on Sunday. Sam Howell's directly responsible for three of them. He literally walked into three of them. The other two probably could have avoided. 
The sack issue is a problem for Sam. And I think at this point in time, the sack issue is holding Washington's offense back. And for the group out there that's talking about the offensive line and that's the issue as to why Sam's taking the sacks, are you watching the games the way I am? Are you looking at the analytics? Washington, every analytic that you use to measure and judge pass blocking efficiency, Washington is amongst the best in the National Football League. Yet for some reason, yet for some reason, we're still talking about the offensive line being the problem. Where is the disconnect within the fan base, within the media? Where is the disconnect here? You turn on the all 22. He's turning down open guys. He's not seeing the field particularly well. And I'm not going to say he's been horrible at it, but it's one of his shortcomings right now is the amount of sacks that he's taken and the amount of downfield throws that he's missed, excuse me. That's one of his shortcomings right now. And I want to go back to the offensive line here for just a second. Let's just, let's just break it down for what it is. Let's look at Washington and look at their pass offense very closely. Washington is 10th in the NFL in pass attempts per contest. They are throwing the ball about 36 times per game. Yet, Washington, their offensive line, is ranked ninth in the NFL in pass block grade and pass blocking efficiency. Yet they're throwing the ball more than 22 other teams in the league. Yet they're pass blocking that well. It just shows you, man. Sometimes you just got to lock in. You can't chase and follow the sexy narrative. I want to go to the phones on this because I am eager to hear what you all think about this. MGM National Harbor Lister lines wide open. 1-800-636-1067 is the number. You can tweet at me as well. It is at N-E-L-L underscore B-T-P. Give me your level of concern with the amount of sacks that Sam Howell has taken. And then do you think him taking these sacks, do you think that's holding this offense back? I, for one, very much firmly believe that Sam Howe and the sacks that he is taking is holding this offense back. What say you? 1-800-636-1067 is the number. Your call's next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love. 
hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.